Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. You're listening to On Point with Alex Pearson on Global News Radio. I want to talk about a story that, you know, we touched upon in midweek, but it has to do with the folks that, you know, make a career of saving lives. And it's a whole issue of assisted suicide, which I think is proving to be a, a big challenge for many, certainly those who don't want to take part in the practice. But a recent court ruling that we had chatted about orders all of Ontario's 4,700 religious doctors that they must now give referrals to their patients who want the service. Now, advocates celebrate the court ruling and they call it a middle ground. But if you're a doctor, whether it's a Jewish, Christian, Muslim, whatever, and you do not believe in assisted suicide, I mean, they're being forced to go against their conscience and provide the service. Is that striking balance or does it violate a core charter right that gives them the right to their religious freedom in this country? Let's ask uh, Sean Watley. He's the president of the OMA, and of course, you're also a doctor yourself. Hi there. Hello, Alex. Happy Friday. (laughs) Always happy on Friday, even though, doctor, I thought it was yesterday, but we're here now. (laughs) I want to get your thoughts. Uh, You know, I've already spoken to the other side of this. They see this as, as a victory, but, you know, there are a lot of doctors who are religious who would see this as a real blow to them. Yes. Well, first of all, we have to celebrate the diversity within the in the profession, and I think our patients want that kind of diversity. Patients go and seek out physicians who will be able to understand their their cultural um, norms and that they share together, religious norms, beliefs. Um, but I think the big issue here is that freedom of conscience goes way beyond just freedom of religion, and so this is actually touching on a much bigger issue. Docs are knowledge workers. We're always trying to make judgments, and we're trying to we're trying to uh, use our knowledge and our experience to come to some advice uh, in, in you know in, in in cooperation and partnership with our patients, and, and we try to we try to make suggestions. And this goes to deal with everything from handicap parking stickers to you know a, a request for the third referral or a CT for minor head trauma. We're having to make judgments and say, you know what, I don't think that's the right thing to do in this situation. I'm not going to mm-hmm. fill out a requisition for a CT head. And so it's really concerning when the regulator steps in and says, no, you have to do this in this particular situation. We want you to act against what your clinical judgment, your uh, your freedom of conscience is guiding you to do in this situation. And that's the concerning, that's the pointy end of the stick here in this issue. Okay, so what are you hearing? I mean, have you heard from other doctors on this matter since the ruling? Um, well, it's very fresh. I haven't heard from a ton of doctors this week, um, but we know there's a small and vocal majority who, who see uh, a big deal of concern here. Now, just now, you, you started out by saying people of faith or people mm-hmm. with uh, religious uh, values. Um, certainly, there's a division in that group as well. 
some people um, of very strong faith feel it's okay to make the effective referral. Um, so again, I don't think we can adjudicate on, on which way that's going to land, um, whether you have faith or not faith. Again, yeah. I think the crux of the issue is the freedom of conscience. And freedom of conscience, I mean, it applies to every knowledge worker. If you're a teacher and, and a student comes in and says, hey, I want a better mark on this paper, and, and you have to, to make a set, well, is the request legitimate? Is it right? Am I being coerced? Am I worried about getting in trouble if I don't do this? And the teacher needs to be able to follow their best judgment in a particular situation. Docs are doing that all the time. Yeah. Yeah, and and I think you I think you bring up a very important point because while we're saying forty seven hundred doctors are known religious uh, practicing doctors, you know I think people often forget and and likely I, myself that there will be those that are okay with it in certain religions and there will be many probably on the other side that don't practice at all but are still not in favor of it. So it, it's a very individual choice that actually could affect a lot more doctors. Absolutely. And we're talking whether you're a secular, atheist, agnostic, a believer, doesn't matter where you're coming from, we're here, you know, we believe conscience is a, is a cornerstone, uh, freedom of conscience, and it's right in the Charter of Rights and Freedom, right? Section 2A, freedom of conscience and religion, and they're separate things. And so certainly it's a cornerstone in the practice of medicine where we're, we're, we need to be able to make um, those decisions, very difficult decisions often. And we're not making them on our own, but we still need to be free and not feel coerced by a regulator or an authority saying, you know, if someone comes in and says, I want X, you must provide X. Mm-hmm. Turn your brain off and just do it. That's scary. Sure it is, because... Doctors are in the business of saving lives, and they are, whether they uh, try to be or not, are, get emotionally invested. And, and so they have to think about these things. You know, you don't want to just tell someone, well, here, I'll just, they're not numbers. They don't generally treat people like numbers. There is a connection there. Absolutely. And you know what? It, it turns the idea of a referral on its head. So a referral, when I, when I refer you to, you know, my patient, to, to a consultant, I'm, I'm referring you for, to someone who I trust and, and I agree with their approach and, and to do something that I think is going to help you. Well, if you now are doing an effective referral, so if someone is being forced to do an effective referral for something they don't think is a good thing, they are, they are now referring to someone who they, who they think is going to do something that they don't agree with and, and they're going to do a treatment or an intervention that they don't think is good for the patient. So it turns the whole concept of referral on its head. The, 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 the sad thing about this is nowhere else in the world do they do this and access is not a problem in other countries where they don't force doctors to do an effective referral. So this isn't an issue of access. And in fact, if you really wanted to turn it in a, in a paradoxical way, you actually will increase access if you have a central referral mechanism so that patients don't get delayed. Like if, if your concern is a delay for patients getting to, to medical aid and dying, then why would you force them to go see their, their own family doctor who doesn't agree with it and might just um, slow the process down anyway. So it's just, it's bizarre from many angles and I can't understand why the college has dug in its heels and forcing people to do something that they've said they don't want to do. They don't think it's a good thing. Yeah, I mean, I would have to think there are some politics at play, but, you know, the bottom line is that doctors in this country don't have a choice but to be in one system. If there was two systems, you know, private versus public, then those who don't want to be a part of this could then say, you know what, this doesn't uh, suit me, I'll move up. But they have to be in this system, and now they have to do what they're being told by uh, essentially the government. 
Yeah, and that's a bigger question for sure. The other scary wrinkle in this is actually medical students now yeah. are going to be screened, you know, will you do this? And mm-hmm. if you will absolutely never do this or refer someone for this, well, maybe you're not suitable to be in medical training at all. Well, what about yeah. the patient groups out there that actually want to see a doc who believes this way and, yeah. and says, you know, I took a, I'm going to take a Hippocratic oath to to not do, to not be involved with this, or to counsel you on how to do it. Uh, not to mention, it's a violation of your charter rights. I mean, this is this is yeah. coming at a time when we've got religious groups under attack over a summer jobs program where they have to go against their conscience just to get government funding, and now you've got this. So there's got to be a lot of people thinking, okay, well, hold on a second. There is a charter, and our prime minister believes in it, and all of a sudden it's okay for some, uh, and others it's it's it can be changed. Absolutely. They're legislating morality, right? And and so it's okay if you legislate it one way, but not the other way. So again, though, the big issue for medical uh, practitioners is the issue of freedom of conscience and, and that being a core pillar of what it means to be a knowledge worker, because we're making, we have to be able to make those judgment calls all the time. And if we open the door to say, okay, now you must make decisions that go against what you think is, is, is good and, and, and wise and, and and, and thoughtful in this particular situation, you're just opening, you're going down a scary path. And the Supreme Court has said this, yeah. right? Um, in 19, 1993, they said, conscience and individual judgment is an absolute prerequisite for the legitimacy, acceptability, and efficacy of our system of self-government. And that's from 1993. Many other quotes like this. This is a cornerstone of our our whole parliamentary system of self-government. And when you start infringing on freedom of conscience, it's right in our Charter of Rights yeah. and Freedoms. I think you're going in a bad direction. Not to mention, you know, there was always the argument that this was a slippery slope. And some will say, here we go. Now you're going to start to make exceptions here. And then next there'll be children and all the rest of it. So I agree. It's a slippery slope. And and just before I let you go, this will be challenged, correct? Um, I don't know. I, I, I would be surprised if it's, if it's not being challenged. Um, uh, and and I've I've intentionally tried to dodge your question. Yeah, <laughs> I'll say it for you, doctor. I have this will be challenged. I know you can't say it, but I can. There you go. Okay. I I leave you with a parting thought yeah. too. There's a big difference between positive law and negative law. So negative law says don't litter, don't throw your trash on the on the ground. Positive law says go out and pick up the trash. And so if we're a society that now starts to pass positive regulations on docks where thou shalt go and do this, even if you don't think you you should do it, again, it's a bad precedent to set. Absolutely. Thanks so much for joining me tonight. Thanks for the opportunity. Dr. Sean Watley uh, joining us uh, to talk about this issue, and and he can't say it, but there is no way that this will not be challenged. And it should be challenged because you can't have charter rights for some because you have charter rights for no one. And it just doesn't work both ways. Canada may be known for its landscapes and friendly people, but beneath the surface lies a darker side of crime, history, and the paranormal. Since 2017, the award-winning Dark Poutine podcast has explored the shadowy corners of the Great White North and beyond, delivering chilling tales from a uniquely Canadian perspective. Hosted by Mike Brown and Matthew Stockton with over 300 episodes and fresh releases every Monday, Dark Poutine is your weekly ticket to the creepier side of Canada. Listen to Dark Poutine on Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts.